welcome to Conversations at the College, a fortnightly podcast where we delve into interesting stories from those within the St. Stephen's College community, talking to people that make the college truly diverse and connected. Now, let's get into this week's conversation. Today on the show, we have an educator from right here at St. Stephen's College, been here for 13 years, a very keen adventurer and an outdoors enthusiast, Miss Shirley Haynes. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a bit about your background? What got you here? How did you get into the seat today? I was born in South Africa until I was about eight before my parents took us over to the Middle East where we lived in Alain, which is about an hour and a half outside of Abu Dhabi. And at that time, my brother was with me and he went back to South Africa to be in a boarding school. The education system was a bit different and I remained and became a single child. And then in 1998, we made the decision to come to Australia. I went into uni and I studied biomedical science, tacked on criminology and French with the hopes of one day going into forensic medicine. Okay, so Mm. biomedical science and now we're here, you as a teacher at St. Stephen's for 13 years. How do we connect those two things? (laughs) That's a story in itself. Mm. I suppose I was was young Mm -hmm. and my family started earlier than expected. Um, Charlotte couldn't wait to join us here on this planet. Said to mum, you know, what am I going to do? Medicine is the long haul, a lot of commitment. And she said to me, you'd make a great teacher. So I looked at her and said, okay, let's give it a go. To be honest, I've never looked back. So it's nice to be able to carry that passion that it seems that you have for science and use it in the teaching world as well. It is. It is. Obviously, when you specialise in human anatomy and work on cadavers Mm -hmm. and you come to a school and you only have, you know, hearts and small organs, it certainly is you're able to share what you've, you've done. And the kids just look at you thinking, wow, never thought you'd ever say you've done that. I thought you were just here and this is what you've done your whole life. And you do have quite an interesting study background as well. You've studied some other different topics. Yes, I have. In the Middle East, obviously the first language is Arabic. So my choices were to learn French or Arabic. And I've always loved how French sounds. So I did that through schooling in those Mm -hmm. years that I was in the Middle East. And then I did it via distance education. And then at uni, I needed something other than than science and criminology and forensics was always a love. And yes, I continued French through there, hopefully with one day, you know, potentially maybe using that in my career. And since you've been at the college, you've taken over our Duke of Edinburgh program. Can you give us a bit of insight onto what that program is? So in 2009, I met Daniel Saw and saw that he'd run a couple of these Duke of Edinburgh trips. And I thought, oh, how do I get onto that? I think that all stems from in year 10 at school, we were all sent away for a month and we lived on a farm. You had to bake your own bread, milk your own cows. Wow you know, listen to the radio for the weather. Our washing was done in these big drums where you actually had to stir them in a sense and then put them through a ring dryer. So we really stripped everything away from everyday life. And I think it was that camp that absolutely changed my view on outdoor education and where I could lead that if I had the opportunity. Mm. So coming here and the Duke of Edinburgh program as well as Outward Bound, was something I knew I had to be involved in. And just at that particular time, Daniel Saw wanted to pass it on. So since then, I've run the program and we, on average, do anywhere between four to eight trips a year in order to get the kids through their their, their levels. And for those who aren't aware, what is outdoor education? It's about pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a very connected world at the moment. And I think sometimes our young people don't get many opportunities to disconnect and be one with themselves and those around them, practice actual communication. You know, some parents are too busy working seven days a week, split families, blended families, so they don't get the chance to provide those opportunities for their children. So one of the aims is for me to be able to do that for them. So what are the kind of pedagogies behind outdoor education then? For me, I'd look at, you know, developing resilience, the grit 
watching them fail is definitely one of them. And then, of course, build themselves back up. And I think the extended programs such as Outward Bound has been in the past and now Pindari, where it's 10 days out in the bush and there is nothing. Pindari is an, is an amazing program. Can you explain a little oh, bit about Pindari? It's my dream one day again, <laughs> let's express these things, is to have an extended program. Mm-hmm. I think... Being the, you know, in the role of head of year nine and 10, those are the vital years of young people's development and being able to take them away and spend some time just separate from everything that they're norm, you know, used to. So Pindari is a, a scholarship program funded by the Goda Foundation and we go away for 10 days. So we say goodbye to the parents here and within, you know, the first one or two days, it's quite an eye opener. You don't have the shelter that mm-hmm. you're used to, you know, the air con, the fans, the phone, natural power. When it gets dark, it gets dark. Mm-hmm toilets, showers. So for 10 days, we are literally almost, you know, winding back the clock. And the aim of the day is to get from one place to the other. And how did the students react to that? I, I don't know. I would think that in those scenarios, there might be some pushback where kids are like, oh no, I, I can't do it. I need my phone. Or do they just go straight for them? Like, no, this is amazing. Oh no, I think you hit, you hit it on the, the head just then mm-hmm. is some of them do push back and they battle. You know, some of these students have never left the Gold Coast. Some have never been away from mum and dad for longer than a night or two. So this is 10 days and it's intensive. But I think that's one of the key components of the whole 10-day program is growth. It gives them those opportunities to break, to, you know, express raw emotion, to get frustrated, to, you know, look at other students around them and go, how come you don't know how to open a can? Of course you know how to open a can. And those basic skills, Mm. because they have to cook in their small groups, they have to dig toilets, they have to hunt for firewood and build those fires. And the team relies on every team member playing a part. And when it does blow up, it's a great way of basically building ourselves back up. That's amazing. Was there like a particular day on the Padari adventure that was a highlight for you or a big challenge that the students overcame? Where do we start? I think every group is vastly different. Mm. Um, when we initially started with Outward Bound, we were at UKI. It really depends on the group. So some groups are challenged physically and the walking is the hardest part. The packs are heavy. They carry everything, um, including communal gear, food, which they have to divvy up into rations. They navigate themselves. So if it's physical, often the group realise that they need to share the load. And it just takes one person to go, let me help. And then the rest is easy. It really does take a turn, usually around day four or five. Um, if it's a mental challenge... That happens generally quite quickly, day two, day three. But it's again about building those up around you and I almost step back. So my role is when I first did my first one, it was I kept being told, Shelley, stop getting involved. Stop trying to help, you know. So I think that was the hardest challenge for me is so often parents and adults in their, you know, these young people's lives jump in to solve every problem. And we don't do that on these 10-day camps. We get them to rely on one another or to, you know, think for themselves and process it. And the confidence is amazing when we return. You must be quite proud to see those students develop before your eyes, you know, in a matter of days, seeing, like you said, on on the fourth day it comes in and you start to see perhaps those leadership qualities shine through. How does it feel when you're there seeing that unfold? I think at the parent info sessions, I I get absolutely, you know, excited and emotional and all the parents go, wow, you're so passionate about this. I said, oh, if only all of you could come and just see what happens to these young people just in 10 days when given the opportunity. So yes, it is, I think it's what I've always called my mental reset. I tell the parents that 10 days is as vital for me as it is for them because I think just the rewards of watching them grow and then hearing past students that I bump into still go remember that time and out with bound and when this happened and mm. the cow came along or you know etc that is why we do it it's kind of part of the the secret to it right you kind of have that camaraderie amongst people that have been right it is and I think they do share obviously what they do mm. but a lot of the conversations they end up having are, are deep especially mm. after the 24-hour solo it really brings out 
the raw emotion. I don't know when the last time you or I potentially spent 24 hours absolutely alone in the wilderness with nothing. Well, that's an amazing program we have currently domestically. Is there anything internationally that you're looking to do in the coming years? Obviously with COVID, Mm. that put a bit of a damper on our um, ability to travel. Mm -hmm. So in the past, we've obviously been local. Uluru was an amazing cultural trip that we did do. We've hiked the Rupan Track in New Zealand, Cambodia, Peru, absolute highlight. So now we're looking at hopefully launching Arnhem Land and some community project work, which isn't international for next year. And that we'll hear more of in term three. But internationally, definitely. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Borneo was on the radar before COVID hit. So definitely internationals on the list for me. Is there one place that you particularly want to go? Maybe Borneo oh. or <laughs> too hard? <laughs> that's to definitely choose? too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Antarctica Base Camp, but wow. that's a 28-day commitment. Mm-hmm. So give me time. So just touching on that travel part, Shirley, it sounds like you are quite well-traveled. Is that something that's important to you? I think... In the sense of travel, when I was younger and being, you know, carted around continent to continent, initially I didn't really see the benefit of that until obviously at uni when I realised, wow, you know, what an amazing life I've had so far. And I think it's just that passion of there are so many places to see and the culture. Um, I mean, we've taken students to Myanmar and Mm. it's just those trips where you're involved with the communities of the less fortunate, for example, that really make you realise how lucky we are here and you have to be humble. So I think it's all those personal positives that you get out of those trips and obviously sharing it with the students. I have some of my team members in the pastoral care team always comment, oh, where are you going these holidays, Shelley? You never seem to stay at home. And sometimes I come back from these trips, like I've just done Winton and Longreach. I've done the Northern Territory in the holidays with a family friend. So I, I tend not to stay at home. I've got broom coming up. And I think every potential trip that I take, I look at it with how can I bring the kids back? How can I bring the students back and, and make this such an amazing trip? Conversations at the college will be back right after this break. Here is what parents are saying about the St. Stephen's College Student for a Day program. You can tell so much from the school when you walk in. It just allows them to get a glimpse of what the school's about. So they went into the classroom and spent time with different kids and um, she immediately found a group of friends, which is great. And that was it. She was sold. Be part of our next Student for a Day program, Wednesday, July 27. To book, visit stephenscollege.net.au and discover the difference. I'm a big proponent of the idea that, you know, education is obviously incredibly important, but there is so much you can learn in the classroom and, you know, touch on obviously your outdoor education. I feel that travel is such an awesome vehicle to be able to teach us things like in Duke of Edinburgh, teaching resilience and what have you, teaching time management, right? Mm. Teaching you mum's not going <laughs> to, mum's not going to pack your lunch. Yeah. Mum's not going to pack up your tent. It's awesome that we have these opportunities at the college for you guys to be able to travel and this have this outdoor education experience as well. No, it certainly is. And I'm hoping to grow it obviously in the coming years. For students that are interested in our outdoor education programs like Duke of Edinburgh, where would you direct them? I think the the idea of the Duke of Edinburgh program is once they're 14 years of age, mm-hmm. so around year nine, they can enroll. Mm-hmm. And, and what's I, that process like? Oh, it's, it's quite a simple process mm-hmm. actually because we welcome everyone and anyone and we guide them through or I guide them through the basically completing the award, whether it be bronze, silver or gold. And at the age of 14, I always encourage them to start on bronze because it is a commitment. It's something new. So they just make a meeting time with me or they respond to one of those initial emails that I send out with the, the parent consent form. And obviously once that is in, we look at generating their online portfolio and logging their hours from there. So it's quite a simple process and they're welcome to join at any time of the year. It's not 
you know, at the start, the middle or the end. It is literally when they choose to take on the challenge. So from like the first application process, what would be the type of activities that a student could expect going to the Duke of Edinburgh, say in the bronze part? Oh, wow. So a bronze level takes a student anywhere between six months and nine months. I mean, there is a time, a suggested time limit, but if it takes them the whole year, that's okay too. It's about basically persevering through the the award. So if you're looking at the, the four pillars, one of the pillars is a skill and the list of opportunities and activities you can do, such as cooking, knitting, reading. It's, you know, as long as you're advancing yourself in one particular area, then they'll accept it as, as a skill. So what are some of those tangible skills or takeaways that students could get from these programs? I think the idea of the program is commitment. You're committing to obviously developing yourself, you're committing to physically bettering yourself through physical recreation, and you're committing to give up time to others through the service components. And I think the service, sometimes they find the hardest, actually, to find, especially at the age of 14, opportunities where they can volunteer. But it's something as simple as, you know, you could be mowing the neighbor's lawn once a week, you could be visiting people down at the local old age home as well, and spending some time there, which we've done in the past, and that was amazing. It could even be walking the neighbor's dog. So service is probably the most important I think personally for them and then there's obviously the adventurous journey component which is two weekends away or one of these extensive trips so we've got the second exploration trip coming up at the end of this term where we go away on a Friday and come back on a Sunday. So what's planned for that one? Uh, This one's actually going to be amazing. So obviously the kids like it when we can have a fire pit. So we're heading down to Byron Bay and we're going to camp at Flat Rock. We might do some surfing. We're going to go explore the local area, some waterfalls, some hiking, really because this one's an exploration, not an expedition, mm-hmm. it's about taking the time to get to know a particular area. And the previous one we did Hastings Point in Kingscliff, which is one of my favourite parts of the coastline. So taking these students out beyond where they maybe normally go is part of obviously the goal of the program. And even in those shorter explorations, do you still find situations where students are pushed out of their comfort zone? Oh, absolutely. So we meet a couple of weeks beforehand and we plan food groups. So they have to obviously plan what they're cooking, who they're cooking with. Everyone everyone plays a part in bringing that all together because some campgrounds have nothing, including ablutions or showers, and others have some form of those. So definitely. I mean, the, the first one that we just ran earlier in term one, some of the students have never operated a, a barbecue and we were almost, you know, floated away with the amount of rain. So it's about being out of their comfort zone and, you know, in a couple millimeters of water overnight with your tent leaking definitely helps you, you know, build resilience and grit, yeah, even yeah. me. And have you had situations where students have, say, forgotten their food or they've forgotten something that was that was crucial? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, including cutlery. And it's about being inventive. So again, it comes down to the group coming together. Obviously, I've spent but I, I definitely hesitate in getting involved in those situations because problem solving in the real world is is part of it. And one of the things that we do do on these exploration trips is set a food challenge. And we, depending on where we are and what we're doing, it's either a ration pack that we've got and they have to devel- you know, deliver a, a main meal, a dessert and a drink. So I can tell you I have had some hideous meals because <laughs> um, they definitely try and make them as, I don't know, disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. I've had yeah. a hot chocolate with Tabasco and chili in it. Um, so that's just one form. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we send them to Woolworths on a budget mm-hmm. and they've got to feed a group of nine, for example. That's a great actual skill for Oh, yeah. Us. And yeah. I think last time I ended up sitting at the front of Woolies on the on the on the bench and the lady at the counter said, Are you okay? I said, I'm just waiting for them to finish shopping. Yeah. So I must admit that took them 
they were so excited when we got back to the campground at four o'clock. They wanted to start then. So we said, right, we want to eat at six. So we actually had a Greek meal and Korean meal and it drew on the cultural differences within the group. So they all brought in their own flavors and who knew what and everyone had a part and just watching that happen and to feed a, a group of nine, including the two staff on a budget of 50 bucks was the two groups were amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think walking up and down the aisles, budgeting, because they didn't have their phones, so they had to, you know, use their minds, mm-hmm. had to think it. One of them actually, one of the groups went up to the main lady who had asked me if I was okay and said, can you Google a recipe for us? So even having those interactions with the community yeah. are something they don't normally do. So those trips, no matter whether they're short or long, are, are definitely the highlight of my year. Well, it's great that you love to put your heart and soul into the programs for these students, but What's your favorite part about outdoor education, if you could sum it up? I think it's the ability to, like, you don't know what the outdoor classroom is going to bring. So you can plan your lessons in the classroom and you kind of have an idea of where those are going to go. But the outdoor education classroom is completely uncontrollable. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, Miss Shelley Haynes is a outdoor enthusiast. She's an educator at St. Stephen's for over 13 years. And we're very lucky to have such an amazing educator and enthusiast at the college. So thank you very much for your time, Shelley. Can you leave us with a little bit of outdoor wisdom that you can impart to the college community? I think one of the sayings that someone always said to me was, take the time it takes, it takes less time. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the College. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, feel free to reach out through our social media channels. And we look forward to you tuning in to our next conversation.